You're listening to the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network. Friends Talking Nerdy! If your friends are nerdy Yeah, so those who say that climate change isn't real can go suck a big one, right? Yeah, a big pile of crap because it has been hot here and I've been swimming in the Willamette River and the water temperature is 75 degrees. Good It's like Southern California. Yeah, Southern California, those wacky bastards down there. But yeah, we have, um, scientists have determined that, you know, we've recently reached the hottest the Earth has ever been, according to statistics. Now, is that 100% accurate? Maybe there have been a hotter day here and there, I'm sure, because, you know, it's not like at the very dawn of time they were able to properly take a recording. But science being what it is, they can measure it to a pretty, you know, pretty you know significant amount of proof that you know what they're seeing now is correct absolutely i mean there's tons of evidence and um yeah the water temperature being 75 is really concerning because fish uh, particularly salmon and cutthroat trout and other kinds of trout need really cold water and they try to traverse the Columbia and the Willamette to get up to spawning grounds and if the water's too hot they're not it was like a wall they're not able to just like bounce off the wall bah! well you just imagine some male fish be like you know what getting pussy's not that important I'm going back home <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah that would be me as a fish <laughs> it ain't worth it <laughs> <laughs> Um, other things about global warming, you know, some people say that it'll be like the frog in a pot kind of thing, where we'll just adjust so slowly that we won't even notice, but like a human from now wouldn't be able to like exist on the planet 50 years from now or something. Yeah, I mean, we're at a point to where the world needs to really work at fixing things here because like the, the death valley temperatures for instance and death valley is a desert again it's going to be hot no matter what but like it, it's so hot that you know they're telling people don't go there now and people are still stupid and they're going there and like i guess a couple of people have already died whoa you know um and like phoenix or someplace in arizona had like multiple days of, of temperatures over 110 degrees which i mean i i you know, living in Sacramento for as long as I did, you know, there were a couple of times we reached 120. Um, Whoa! Dry heat, but it was intense. That type of, but it's, it would be like walking into like a, a, a the biggest oven you could think of. You know, like that feeling of air you get when you open an oven door and it wafts in your face. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's intense. Um, I have had that wafting experience, though, in the South. Hmm. When you'd be inside an air conditioning where, you know, it's the water's taken out of the air as part of the process of conditioning the air and making it cooler, right? Mm-hmm. And the... Stepping outside. 
Sorry. You forgot. <laughs> I forgot what I was talking about. About how the heat uh, in the south when you're... Oh, right. Right. You're in the air conditioning and then you open the door to go outside and it hits you like a ton of bricks yeah. because it's so humid. And even though it might just be 95 or 99, it's so humid that you can't... You just are... It's like being in boiling water. Yeah, I mean, I, I've told a lot of people over the years, you know, having experienced uh, summers in Michigan, you know, which is bordered on most of the Great Lakes, um, and summers in California were two different experiences, and even though um, Sacramento had the occasional 120-degree weather, I pre- much prefer the dry heat than I do humidity, because 90 degrees in Michigan on an 87% humidity day the fucking worst it's like you're swimming to yeah. get where you need to go yeah, yeah exactly exactly so dry heat but you know can't get too hot i mean things just start spontaneously combusting at, at some point yeah hopefully it's not me <laughs> Poof. but this is a long-winded way to say if you hear a droning noise in the background it's our air conditioner um suck it we need to be comfortable while recording (laughs) that's right we really do because you know what we are modern people and we're used to air conditioning and we're not used to laying around in the hot weather with no air conditioning oh we did in the summer as kids like we didn't have a an air conditioner at all when when we were growing up and yeah me neither and so we know we relied on fans fans and window fans yeah. And then fans that were on you. And then fans everywhere. For ceiling fans. Or like one of those like uh, handheld fans that like old ladies go to, uh, to use at like tent revivals. <laughs> yeah, so like very experience. languid afternoons. Very sexy women sitting on their porches. My glistening with with sweat. Waiting for a handsome, rugged fella to show up and give from Michigan something, something like that, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank you all for tuning in uh, on another edition of Friends Talking Nerdy. Thank you for starting your week with our show. This is Tim the Nerd here, the podcast making, public transit taking, kiss stealing, woo wheeling, dealing, son of a gun, <laughs> sitting next to the beautiful, vivacious, effervescent, greatest legal mind in the Pacific Northwest. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Professor Aubrey. Hi, everyone. What a great introduction. I appreciate it. I also enjoyed what you said about yourself. Second week in a row, yeah. I finally got the Ric Flair thing down, you know. Uh-huh. You know, we'll, we'll see how long that lasts, you know. Kind of like the whole sexiest voice in podcasting today I tried for a while. Right. <laughs> it's true. You are the sexiest voice in podcasting today. But that's a pretty impressive little ditty you got going there. Mm-hmm. So suck it, Keith Olbermann. I don't know. <laughs> suck it. But we are here for another week of fun. This week, we're gonna ha- our main topic is going to be a little lighter because we love music here. And it's been a while since we had a music-related show. So we are definitely going to uh, talk about our favorite cover songs. Yeah, we're getting back into the musical jam, and you know we'd like to do these top five lists sometimes, the nerdy fives, and compare our tastes <laughs> and you know answers to today's you know most important moral questions, and compare exactly. to see who wins. Yeah, when is this a competition? <laughs> 
It's always a competition. Everything's a competition. No. Oh my god, I need to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm always suspicious of people that have to turn everything into a competition. You know, like, like Michael Jordan, for instance. Like, if I had met him in real life, I, you know, I know, I know for a fact I would hate him. You know, the type of guy that just everything has to be. I have to win. I have to win. It's like calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and people. Will, say well that's what got him to the top well if that's what it takes to get to the top to just be a bad person mm-hmm. is it worth it Mm-mm. of course not of course not worth it yeah well what's been going on in your life lately well you know tim uh i've been doing a lot of outdoor activities the last week or so um getting ready i got back from oregon country fair as you know about a week, two weeks ago, and so this week has been really hot in Portland, and so the water temperature in the Willamette is, like I said, up to 75, which is perfect swimming temperature. So I've been swimming a couple times in the Willamette in the last few days, Mm -hmm. uh, which was fun. I um, ate some new desserts for me um, from Taiwan. There's a Taiwanese dessert restaurant now in downtown Portland, mm. which to me seems very specific. You know, Taiwanese desserts. It's not even like Taiwanese food. It's Taiwanese desserts. It's like having a Bulgaria breakfast restaurant. <laughs> you know, all, all Bulgarian breakfast food. Well, it's sort of like Kulfi. So we live next to next door to a building that has a retail space in the downstairs of the building, and and the closest one to us is this business called Kulfi, which makes Indian style, Indian Walla um, popsicles. So they come in interesting flavors like lassi or rose water and mint and you know, these beautiful Indian style popsicles. And people come from all around to get them because this is the only place you can get them. Yeah, they do. And they make lots of noise. They stand in the middle of the fucking sidewalk in in groups, making you have to walk around them. Like they're completely oblivious that they're in a city because they come from Beaverton. That's where they're all coming from. Beaverton, Hillsborough. Church. So They have their drivers bring them. You know, it's one of those things where it makes you want to go, hey, get out of my neighborhood. Which I kind of just do. I don't see the downside of doing that. I'd be like Dog the Bounty Hunter with some bear spray. Get out. (laughs) I'm dog. (laughs) I'm big bad dog. So that happened. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't really do that, folks. (laughs) I also went on a group bike ride in honor of Prince. And we listened to Purple Rain and biked around town. Mm. It was really great. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to keep keep active, keep keep uh, keep on keeping on. I've also had like actual work to do um, for my job and my union repping. So I haven't really felt all that different from normal times, except I don't feel guilty if I don't work for eight hours. You know. Mm-hmm. And like fuck off and go swimming. Yeah, I let myself do that because I'm on vacation. Amen. Yeah. Right. Well, been another red letter week for me. Um, you know, it's been great continuing to spend time with the kitties. Mm-hmm. You know, like last night. Um, like I've been working on um, 
like sometimes when I see them trying to do something, I get scared and then try to pull them away without, you know, thinking without remembering that you know they're do when I get up and th- th- give them attention, they're getting what they really crave. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and they're I've been hesitant to let them into the bedroom just because the first time uh, you know they went in there Annie was climbing on on the wall literally with your wall uh, I have a tapestry hanging behind my bed yeah and apparently Annie tried to climb up it which a cat will do fabric against a wall like that's a cat's dream yeah but she saw she's like oh my god oh my god oh my god and climbed up and I was like oh no you can't be in here and and overall I do think it is a good idea to have the bedroom be a separate space that they know is not they don't have permission to go in there all the time right but it is also important too to sometimes open that door and let them and last night you know having Mimsy like uh, you know she was like sleeping on the bed with me but she was like in the space where your pillows were and just kind of like looking at me with the closed eyes and she would open them and be happy um <laughs> so cute did yeah. Annie sleep with you uh she tried but she tried to climb on top of me and it's just like no I'm gonna move and you're not gonna like it yeah she likes to do like Sherman did which is like if you're on your side he would come get on your hip and like find some place to balance on your hip and then I was always like well now I can't move because Shermie needs a place to sit mm-hmm. and that is why he was such an asshole of a cat <laughs> oh again he wasn't he wasn't you know he was a good guy he was a good guy he just he didn't know better than to be a little bit entitled well I, I remember um, the day before he ultimately passed there was um, we had the window open and he it, it was at night and that was the, another time that batty um, if you all remember back in previous episodes there was a black cat at our old apartment who used to hang out by the window and um, I, I still laugh about what happened because Sherman saw him and then immediately because when Sherman got pissed it was this is my house you don't do that. it's just like calm down I mean I had to like 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 he was so angry like you know if I didn't hold him in a particular way he would have scratched me to get back to that window mm-hmm. um, you know not intentionally of course but he was pissed and this is a creature that you thought was a bat remember yeah Initially, I thought it was. It was black and hit the screen, and I don't want to be any near a bat. So, so Jim goes out there and thinks it's bat. It basically jumps out of his skin and runs away back to the bedroom. Yeah, and I literally jumped on the bed like a Scooby-Doo thing. Jumped on the bed and hit under the covers. <laughs> and then only to find out, like, a few days later, it was, like, during the day we look out, and then this black cat just looking at me like, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> what do cats do? Yeah, that was funny. That was really funny. Oh, the stories we can tell, you know. (laughs) But overall, I mean, I think Mimsy especially is getting a lot more open, Um, you know, because she's still an introverted cat. But, you know, I think with me, she's um, definitely being a lot more loving than she has uh, been as well. Um, Having said that, she's you're still her human. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can tell. Yep. Just how, you know, like I said last week, how she'll pop up on that chair by the door and when she hears somebody coming up the stairs and she's waiting for you. Oh, my goodness. That is so sweet. Mm-hmm. That is so sweet. What a sweet kitty. Those kitties, yes. But 
Don't you love cover songs? You know, a good cover song can be better than a good original song. Yeah, it seems music is really the only art form I can think of to where you have uh, a second artist take the work of another uh, of the first artist and, you know, with the same words create something new if that makes sense yeah you know because like you tried something like that in books you're gonna get sued you know like if i wanted to write like a jack ryan novel uh he's the main character from the tom clancy books you know i can't you know that's plagiarism or you know that, that would just not be cool unless they officially hired me but um but music cover songs are just they've always been the norm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a good cover song, too. Like, you know, we've talked about uh, songs in the past, like, uh, you know, All Along the Watchtower, Jimi Hendrix, Proud Mary from Tina Turner. Uh, when you get an artist that can do magic like that, you know, with a little help from my friends, Joe Cocker. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, they, they can end up owning the song in a lot of ways. Yes, I mean, because yes. each of the three artists I just mentioned, the original writers of the song said... They did it. They did it best. Yeah, the original writers of the song. Exactly. Mm. Or I'm fine with them doing it. Yeah. Like, Dolly Parton has never said that Whitney Houston does it best. But she said that she loves that Whitney Houston sang her song. Yep. Because it made her filthy rich. But remember, though, Dolly... I believe Dolly takes that money from the residuals from that song and invests it uh, in local uh, inner-city schools in Tennessee. You know, she does all kinds of things like that. That's why she's one of my favorite people in the world. And I can't wait for her rock album, and I absolutely love the fact that, you know, like, she does have your... uh, She does work with Paul McCartney on the album. Oh, nice. But, you know, she also went to um, Rob Halford from Judas Priest. She went to Nikki Six, the bass player and main songwriter for Motley Crue. Like, she she did really well in terms of working with the full gamut of what rock can offer. And it's it was shocking to hear uh, that, that, you know, she did that. But kudos to her and kudos to uh, those metal artists as well, because I think... Um, like metal is in a lot of ways still kind of a maligned art form you know yeah um, I agree like I think there's a social stigma from where I come from around being a metal fan Hmm. like there just aren't metal fans or there are very few and the ones that there are don't do a good job like they just always have earphones on and like not talking to anybody and like the people who were attracted to metal were usually kind of like me (laughs) outside the norm me (laughs) and so that you know made it interesting yeah, and and you know, I, I guess it's that comes to mind too because of the documentary we were watching uh, just before we started recording the Dio documentary, which I've seen before. Um, but it is, it does seem like over the past few years that metal is finally getting some acceptance for its importance in music history. Um, you know, does that mean, do I think like a metal artist will win like best album at the Grammys? No, there's still stops that way. But I think overall people are coming to respect it a lot more than they have. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, the, the number of times I see it mentioned or I see a metal artist it mentioned um, has definitely increased, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Indeed, indeed. I'm drinking game. There we go. Ooh, there you go. Two drinks. Yeah, but what we did this week is we created created a playlist for you um, detailing some of our favorite uh, cover songs. Now, favorite doesn't mean best. You know, um, what do I mean by that? You can. Uh, it's like we've talked about in music before. Our work that is considered the best that an artist can do can be different from what you just enjoy. And, um, you know, uh, that's kind of the mindset I went in with this. And I think we both made a concerted effort to bring up material that we haven't talked about a lot on the show already here. Yeah. Um, because, again, all along the Watchtower is a classic, but everybody knows it by this point. Yeah. You know, so we each chose five songs uh, that were covers, and we're going to be talking about them a little bit. Um, what we've done for you as well, um, you can find us in the show description. If you click the link, it will bring you to an Apple Music playlist we created with the original version of the songs that we choose and the cover. Nice! So you can go listen to both of those and see what the differences are. Yeah, and you know we'll, we'll talk about it as we dive in, but there are definitely some nice dichotomies in terms of how people approach the music. But yeah. how about you start off with your first choice? Okay, um, so this song was a song that I had never heard the original before I heard the cover and loved the cover when I found out it was a cover immediately went to the original artist and found it and listened to it and thought wow that's even better than this song that I loved before so it is it's one of my favorites but both the original and the cover are my favorites and this is The Man Who Sold the World originally by David Bowie and covered by Nirvana. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about Nirvana on the show before, um, especially on my birthday episode. Um, we talked about it on Tim's Tremendous Tapes, of course. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat with you when it comes to this, because um, even David Bowie, if you had asked him when you know Nirvana released uh, that in '94, is "The Man Who Sold the World" your best song? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have said that. Um, but it was watching Nirvana unplugged over the course of a couple of days after it was announced that you know he had committed suicide. That just every song hit to the core. Yeah, and it was so sad too because, like, this could have been the direction they went in. You know, what if they did get a little more mellower? I mean, they could have done so many more things, but at the very least, they were also students of music. The best musicians are just students of music, and they're gonna be able to go in and take that obscure track from somebody else. I mean, David Bowie himself, you know, said it was because of Nirvana that made him really reconsider, you know, how good that song was. Mm -hmm. You know, so that is that is the beauty, honestly, of, of what a cover artist can do. Yeah. You know, um, not only make it their own in, in a lot of ways, but, you know, kind of open your eyes to, hey, try this guy out. You know, I like him. If you like my music, you're going to love his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I often, you know, I've gotten introduced to some bands through covers hmm. where I know the original and then I hear the cover and I think, oh my God, I love that cover. And then you go to the musician and see their other work. And sometimes I like their other work and other times I'm like, oh, I really just like that song mm -hmm. because I don't like anything else they did. 
Yeah, I mean Bowie though. How what would you put him? Is he a greatest hits? Is he you For love me? everything he does? Yeah, I love everything he does. Okay. Yeah. Even his early days when he was still David Jones. <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting. Hmm. I think he's all he was always interesting. That he was, and we can thank the monkeys for his name. Really? Why? Because his real name is David Jones. And the monkeys were out at the time with Davy Jones, oh. and he changed his name to David Bowie so people wouldn't, you know, mistake the two. I mean, yeah, so thank you, Davy Jones. <laughs> right, because if not, we would be stuck here with a David Jones. David Jones album, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, shall I go on with my first choice? Yes, please, let us know. Okay, what do you think of George Thorogood and the Destroyers? You know, I don't ever think of them. <laughs> Like Bad to the Bone, songs like Oh, that. Bad to the Bone. Yeah. Tropes. Rock and roll tropes. Like, if I didn't know the name of that band, I would just be like, that's the rock and roll band. <laughs> um, it sounds like the other rock and roll band. Yeah, what... I dig his music. He's one of those, but the, you know, to be to be clear, though, he's one of those people that you know I like a few of his a few of his songs. Not necessarily a greatest hits artist, but he came around at, a, at around the time that like you know disco was still a huge thing, and this is kind of like the counter programming to it. But you know, he's has made some great songs, and one song of his that he uh, did that I enjoy is a cover of a Hank Williams song, "Move It On Over." Move it on over. Yeah, and it's to me uh, what I love about this is just a really fun song. Um, he definitely puts more oomph in it uh, compared to the Hank Williams version because he goes, he, he he tackles it more the blues way than yeah. uh, the straight country way that uh, Hank Williams did. But it's not too much of a stretch. It's still believable. I mean, you would you, you would assume, I guess, that if Hank Williams were alive when the song, you know, when his when George Thorogood's cover of the song came out that he may have gone along with more of that musical sensibility yeah I mean you said that about Nirvana too this idea that maybe the bands would have changed or maybe they are influencing each other in an iterative process as we go through time mm -hmm. that's what she said I know. <laughs> but uh, again, I love it. It captures the spirit of the original song. Um, this is not one that I would put on in the category in of, of like you're all along the watchtowers. Like George Thorogood didn't make this song his own. Um, but that's still not a bad thing. It's still a great cover to a great song. Yeah. All right. What is your next choice? My next choice is Mad World. Um, originally performed by Tears for Fears and then later performed by Gary Jules um, actually Michael Andrews and Gary Jules um, have you heard either of these? Uh, in preparation for the episode yes but oh. not before okay it's kind of a broody new age thing, new wave thing, new, not new age. Thing. Yeah, skinny white the British people complaining about how bad life is. Yeah, <laughs> and saying that they're druids. No, that's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, not at all. It's a it's a new wave kind of eighties band, Tears for Fears, and um, Gary Jules is a relatively modern. Like I say, in the last 15 years, kind of modern, mostly singer-songwriter, hmm. with a beautiful voice and a nice way of playing the guitar. 
and he just you know picked a good song to cover and it went from a more faster version the original to a way more chilled out sort of like what you were talking about with the man who sold the world mm-hmm. um, and that sort of being different for Nirvana and maybe they could have gone in that direction same thing for um, Mr. Jules Mr. Gary Jules right where um, you know the cover is really what got him noticed Hmm. And had he not done the cover, he never would have been noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my next pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I've not in terms of like Cheers for Fears, I, I've never really been a huge fan of groups like that. But doesn't mean they haven't put out good work. Um, they, they did Everybody Wants to yeah. Rule the World, right? Yes. Um, yeah, that good song, and that was also uh, the theme song to Dennis Miller Live on HBO before he went all super conservative. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Indeed. Shall I go on with my choice? Please go on with your choice, Tim. All right. When I first heard this song, I didn't realize it was a cover. Uh, have you heard of Joss Stone? I have heard of Joss Stone, yes. Yeah, the first album she put out um, was not originally intended to be put out. Um, she it was she she wanted a proper album first with songs that she wrote, but I guess record executives were so impressed with her voice that they sent her in to record the album called The Soul Sessions, um, and uh, those main uh, single from that track was the song Fell in Love with a Boy and she's like a super intense soul song really love it great bass work um, what is the name of that uh, soul band uh, Sharon Jones and uh, Sharon Jones and the God, they're so good yeah the, keep talking Sharon Jones is a woman singer and she has a band and the Dab Kings the, Dap Kings, yes, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. You got to check them out. Yeah, the Dap Kings actually were the background band for the Joss Stone album, The Soul Sessions. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, so you know, like when you know we first discovered Sharon Jones uh, at that restaurant, I had heard that band before, uh, and it was right. uh, it was with this song, and it's a really good funky soul cover, get you dancing, and the fact that it's a hot chick singing a song as a guy, you're like, oh my. I love the song but I didn't realize that that song was a cover of a white stripe song called fell in love with a girl oh. uh, Jack White we've talked about him uh, on the show before uh, the song is pretty much a traditional just punk song just really short less than two minutes and just like three riffs maybe in the song and um, Meg White in the band wasn't the most prolific drummer in the world but basic boom, right. you know boom smash she was great at that mm-hmm. boom and, smash boom smash yeah but what I like about this and there will be a couple other times even with one of your choices um, but what I liked about this is you have the same song but it can mean different things when it's sung by a man compared to a woman. Right. You For know, a person of different gender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get my point. But really loved that song. Definitely recommend both of them. Awesome. I'm going to check that out and Josh Stone in general. 
Um, okay, my next choice is a Prince song, just like I was celebrating Prince last night at the Purple, or at the Prince um, bike ride. Uh, it is covered by Sinead O'Connor. That means you probably know what it is. It's Nothing Compares to You, a very, very, very popular song for Sinead O'Connor, perhaps her biggest hit. Yeah. And um, was originally a Prince song. And it is an interesting one because while Prince later published a version of the song, um, Sinead was the first person to publish a version of the song. So it was written by Prince, but it wasn't performed by Prince until after it was performed by Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, I, if I recall, I think like her covering that song didn't really sit right with him apparently because I guess... Um, there was chicanery, you know, in the music industry at the time that, you know, allowed his, his record company to distribute some of his songs to other artists without him really realizing it. And then I think, um, and my understanding was that he did come out with his version as, as more of a response. Now, I don't know if it's, if his issues were necessarily with Sinead. He probably, I mean, because he had his own issues with Warner Brothers Records over the years, and I think he was wise enough to see if somebody was in a position to where they could really do something or if they just had to, you know, here's a song, sing it type of deal, you mm-hmm. know. But, you know, yeah, he, I, my understanding is he wasn't necessarily happy with that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I remember when the the Sinead's version came out on MTV, like I seem to recall like one of the MTV VJs at the time, maybe like downtown Julie Brown. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, um but it seemed to like imply that sh- that she sang the song for a child that she had that died young. Oh. Wow. Which based on the lyrics doesn't necessarily make sense apart from the title. Right. You know, because the lyrics themselves are just talking about a relationship. You know, you break up with somebody and then realize, oh, nothing compares to you, blah, 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 type of deal, which, but that's what I remember. Right. I remember a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that makes that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, shall I go on? Please go on. All right, please, let's get this over with. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Buck Owens, what do you think of him? I love Buck Owens. I love Buck Owens. I think that Buck Owens is one of the most influential country artists. Um, As an artist himself, great performer. And, you know, those folks sang for 60, 70 years on the road singing a lot. I mean, I was first introduced to him thanks to Hee Haw, so for a, for the longest time, it was like, he's a part of that, I don't care what he did, <laughs> you know? Um, and if you saw Hee Haw, you probably get why. <laughs> Especially if you're a Michiganer. Yeah, but um, over time, you know, like becoming a Beatles fan, um, the album Beatles for Sale, Ringo sings, Act Naturally. A Buck Owens song, and you know, like you see a picture of Buck Owens in a stage un- uniform with uh, the rest of his band, you're thinking, why are the Beatles playing one of his songs? You know, um, and you know, you do a deep dive on Buck Owens' music though, and and you get why. You know, like Buck Owens, to your point, yeah, like he wrote some of the most 
emotionally rich songs in country music history, uh, including this one here, um, Together Again. And um, I included the cover uh, from Emmy Lou Harris. Mm. Like the, and this is another instance of the same song, um, you know, sung, sung behind the eyes of a feminine presence ends up meaning something different. Well, yeah, it changes the perspective of the characters. Mm-hmm. I really like it when there's no gender in the in the thing, so you can't. So you know, it's just genderless. Well, yeah, and the lyrics aren't referring to you know the the specific sex of the singer uh, in question or any, anything like that. But I think it's just natural to assume a different a different uh, set of intentions I guess with the main character of the story in question of the song in question I see what you're saying in terms of being able to relate yeah I just you know I'm very focused on and I'm sure you are as well um figuring out all this gender stuff like oh yeah you know how how we should talk about things and how not only how we should talk about things but what does it mean? You know, it's a little bit of um, destroying a paradigm. You know, getting rid of the idea of gender is revolutionary. Yeah, because, you know, like, I'm referring to this idea of what I feel women are, I guess, if that makes sense, when I hear a song like this, you know, and I shouldn't necessarily think like that for each and every instance because... Women are people too. Shock, I know. Right, and some of them are going to be, you know, what you perceive as feminine, Mm -hmm. and some of them definitely aren't. Yep. Right. So, is it a feminine thing or is it a nostalgia, or what? What you're feeling is not a feminine presence, maybe, but a nostalgia or sort of romantic in the more general sense, like vignettes and stuff. Indeed. Anyway, that's interesting. Yeah, but uh, again, great song. And if you have not heard Buck Owens, um, you know, in Tim's Tremendous Tapes, I did uh, recommend uh, a recent Greatest Hits uh, collection that came out. Um, like his guitar player, uh, one of the best damn guitar players I've ever heard. And not ever heard, but just damn, he's good. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, you will be surprised if you're only knowledge of Buck Owens is through something like Hee Haw, Don't Be Like Me. Take the time out of your day to listen to his music and to Amy Lou Harris because, like, she um, uh, is a great interpreter. Like, I, you know, it, I, I compare what she did on this album to, like, what Sinatra does on did on his albums. You know, she, she became the song and made it her uh, when she was singing. It's really good. Yeah, Emmy Lou, I love her. I've always loved her. Always loved her. All right, what is your next one? My next one is Sweet Jane, originally by The Velvet Underground and covered by The Cowboy Junkies. Mm. And for one thing, I just loved The Cowboy Junkies. I, I loved their name. I loved how they looked. I loved what they said. I was just way into them as like a teenager, preteen maybe. Mm. Um, and so they came out with this song, and it was just, it's so like slow and lusty and languid. Um, and I was, you know, a teenager. And so I thought it was very sophisticated. 
the Cowboy Junkies sounded like a sophisticated band. Um, and so that's the first time I heard that song. Uh, and then much later in life, um, I got to know the Velvet Underground and hear the original version, <clears throat> which I find to be altogether more compelling than the cover. Hmm. But I loved the cover until I heard the original. Yeah, I mean, I like the Velvet Underground were, had a track on the very first album I ever purchased. <gasps> Um, that was the soundtrack to the movie The Doors. Oh wow! Yeah, um, probably. I mean, it's it's essentially The Doors' greatest hits album, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not going to complain about that. But it also included uh, a lot of Jim Morrison's poetry, because uh, in the '70s, um, the remaining members of the band um, actually released uh, an album uh, putting music to Jim Morrison's poetry that you know he he read. Uh, before mm-hmm. he died, but they also had uh, um, O Fortuna. Um, I, I, you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but you've heard it. I can guarantee you've heard it. And they had heroin from the Velvet Underground mm. um, because you know the Velvet Underground actually um, had interactions with the Doors and are represented in the movie. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, that was my introduction to the Velvet Underground. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of theirs, but I mean, I get their importance in music history. Um, you know, to me, I guess Lou Reed was overplayed the moment Marky Mark tried to do his song. <laughs> well, I remember getting to know Lou Reed as Lou Reed, the solo artist, mm-hmm. and then only later realizing that he was the front man for the Velvet Underground. I loved that he was so pissed off at a record label that demanded he do one more album that he released an album of essentially static. (laughs) Called it like metal music or something (laughs) like that. But, you know, stuff like that I enjoy. But shall I go on with my next one? Yes, please. Yes, there are some times in your life to where everything just seems to be going to shit and you just have to sit there and say, Menomino. Yes, the classic song that you heard from The Muppet Show is actually a cover of uh, the same song, Menomina, from a gentleman by the name of Piero Umilani. Huh. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, but um, Jim Henson discovered this song in a Swedish softcore porn movie. <laughs> um, but the, the, it's it, even the original version, I mean, we were listening to it earlier, even the original version does have that um, bouncy feel that, uh, you know, what uh, Jim Henson was able to do. Um, but th- the Muppets, my goodness, you know. Oh, my God. They can just take anything and make it gold. Yeah, I mean, essentially, and they use a different puppet, but the voice Henson was using was um, similar to what he does with Rolf. Right. Yeah, and uh, the Snoths, the two little pink creatures, was Frank Oz. I initially thought it was like two different um, Muppeteers at first, but, you know, when they're singing it, going like that, you know, and there was a time on Twitter where I was like, I didn't realize that was Frank Oz, and I tagged Frank Oz, and, you know, that ma- I said that made me respect him all the more, because if you think about it, it, you uh-huh. know, doing that does take work and practice, and Frank Oz actually liked that tweet. That is so cool. Yeah, so... Did you reach out to him and say, thanks for liking my tweet? No. I mean, because why, why would he... Just the fact that he did that meant a lot to me. You right. Kind of like, you know, when Mark Hamill's liked a couple of uh, my tweets in the past. 
It's like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Skywalker likes what they said. Yeah, but I, I love these songs because like the original sounds like something you would hear like in a French cafe. Mm. <laughs> you know, just like you're ordering. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's like you're ordering a cappuccino or something like that, and the song is just playing in the background. And, <laughs> um, it, it's fun. I mean, the Muppets uh, movie from t- uh, 2011 that Jason Siegel did just ends with this song, and it, it was absolutely perfect. I love this song so much. Anytime I hear it, uh, I'm happy. Anytime I see it, I'm ecstatic because, the, like you said, the puppetry is wonderful in that video. Indeed. Or on that show. Now, we have My your turn. last choice. My last choice. Okay, this was making me cry earlier. So this song is by Kate Bush, and it's called This Woman's Work, and it was covered by a, a person named Maxwell. You know Maxwell? Yeah, I know. Um, I, it, when you say the word Maxwell, there are going to be a number of women from our generation who will definitely have moist panties really quickly. Um, he was like one of those artists that if you brought a young lady home and you had that song playing, you're probably getting some. What? Yeah. Women can be that influenced by music? Yes. Really? It takes other things too. It's not the only thing, you know. It's not like if she finds you repulsive and you put on a Marvin Gaye song, she's gonna be like, "Oh, what the hell," you know. But right. it's just everything together, but with the right song. Amen, brother. Yeah. Um, so this song, I first heard in a movie. Um, it was a Ricky Gervais movie. And some people really hate Ricky Gervais for reasons related to his performances. <laughs> Other people hate him for reasons related to his politics. Other people hate him because he's a bit of a turf and a swerf. And that means a trans, you know, a trans exclusionary radical feminist. He may not be a radical feminist, but certainly um, seems to be trans exclusionary to the same extent that J.K. Rowling. Maybe less than J.K. Rowling, but like defended J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I mean, I, I I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, audience, feel free to contact me and contact us on social media. You can hit the link in our show profile. But I think he's saying that she should have the right to say what she does, um, but he's not doing the route she does of you know financially supporting organizations that are actively trying to harm trans people out there. Right. You know, I mean, because that's the bad thing about anything related to Harry Potter. You know, if if like a new video game, a Harry Potter video game hits it big, she's going to be on there on social media using that to, hey, my video, my, the new Harry Potter video game is great and support this organization. Mm-hmm. You know, that that it doesn't sit well with me, which is why I don't support her work myself. Yeah. Um I believe in not not giving money to people that you boycotting people essentially mm-hmm. if you, they're doing fucked up stuff. So anyway, the first time I heard this was in a Ricky Gervais um, series called Extras, and the premise was extras that work in movies and TV shows and sort of their conversations and their lives and what was happening with them instead of what was going on with the stars. But it had lots of cameos by stars who acted in ways that were stereotypical of fancy actors and actresses. Mm -hmm. 
And so one of the things that happens is that his best friend, Ricky Gervais's best friend, goes through a personal awakening and realizes that she has been, you know, living the life of a young person, a singleton in London, kind of good time girl. She's really 35 right and she realizes I don't have a career I don't have anything all I do is be an extra and I'm never going to become an actress at this rate but she just keeps doing it until she finally is like I have to get a regular job and so the job she gets is cleaning and so they played this song um, a woman's work this woman's work while they're showing footage of her like scrubbing toilets and scrubbing the floor and washing mirrors and like doing her job as a house cleaner and then at the end of the song just being like look, sitting on some stairs with some rubber gloves on looking exhausted um, I thought it was a brilliant choice of song for that scene mm-hmm. but also just a heartbreakingly beautiful song by Kate Bush um, the version from Maxwell is very similar in I'd say uh, it's not a departure it is a reproduction mm-hmm. and I prefer the original gotcha have you ever heard either of these songs or Kate Bush um well, I mean, oh yeah we, you talked about Kate Bush yeah because of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I'm like I've ever, right. ever really heard her music not really um, I mean what I have heard not my style <laughs> I mean yeah not enough of screaming no guitar solos oh yeah oh yeah but it's a song that makes me cry every time I hear it mm. and I you know I've kind of grown out of wanting to hear songs that make me cry but I used to like that they can I mean songs can be like an audio version of alcohol when you are in an emotional moment they can wrench those experiences from you and make you feel better at the end of it after you're crying and whatnot. I mean, that's kind of been uh, the way for me for certain songs over the years. Yeah. I mean, there are certain songs that sort of bring you hope when you feel hopeless, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Shall I go on with my last choice? Your last choice. Let's hear it. My last choice is not a crazy choice. (gasps) The song in question, most people are probably familiar with the cover and not the original. And when I found out who... Um, wrote this song it blew my mind mm-hmm. we're talking crazy uh, from Patsy Cline written and originally performed by Willie Nelson mm-hmm. you know um, this again <laughs> one of those situ- we have okay we have a cat alert here we have Mimsy who just climbed into one of the crates that the professor has out for uh, the camping that she's doing here so I'm going to not freak out and let her explore. <laughs> yes, don't freak out. It's okay. She'll yeah. figure it out. She's a cat. And she'll fall in anyway. But, but crazy- she'll land on her feet. Yeah. But break something along the way. I don't know. Anyway, crazy. One hell of a song. Um, it's sung... Like, uh, what I've found for me with country music, at least, is like, I had to live life first before I could understand what some of these songs were. Um, and... <laughs> the cat's testing my patience, folks. Um, but 
you know, when you've had your heart broken a few times, like this song just epitomizes that that feeling of why did I love this person who hurt me and why do I still love this person who hurt me? Mm-hmm. You know, but and this is also again another one of those. Um, you know, they're both the Willie version and the Patsy version are both pretty much done in the same way um, musically, but you just have different ideas of what the song means to the person that's singing it at that mm-hmm. time. But what do you think about Crazy? Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite songs. I loved it from the time I heard it in um, the Patsy Klein biopic. I don't know if you've ever seen it called Crazy. Nope. Um, it's called Sweet Dreams. Oh, Sweet Dreams. With Jessica Lange. Jessica Lange, yes. Her career comeback after uh, the disaster that was King Kong. Yeah, King Kong was terrible. But um, she was good in this as Patsy Cline. Yeah. And the that's where I first heard the song. And I didn't even know it was written by Willie Nelson until many years later. Um and you know that's interesting about Willie because he worked as a as a songwriter in sort of the songwriting sweatshops and this was one of the songs that just got sold in Nashville and somebody thought Patsy Cline ought to sing it so she did and yeah I mean this is one of those things too that maybe interested in country music because like growing up um, we had an oldie station Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the songs that they ended up playing I didn't realize were country songs because it wasn't a lot of what was called country in the 60s wasn't necessarily the twingy music, the southern accent and whatnot. You had, you know, songs that could pass for pop, but were just from a country artist. Right. You know, and kind of in the same boat with you. I mean, my, you know, my, like I mentioned, my mother was a big country fan. You know, she saw Loretta Lynn in concert uh, and all that. And, you know, she loved uh, the Coal Miner's Daughter movie with Loretta Lynn, but she saw Sweet Dreams as well. And um, at the time... I didn't care for it, but you know, this is around the time where like Ghostbusters was out, you know. So for me, it was just like, how could it? Com- yeah, how could it compare to Ghostbusters? I know, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, again, sliming, sliming, getting just, slimed. There you go. Do that later. Um, anyway, <laughs> never fails. There you go. But uh, again, like, if you've ever had your heart broken this song is going to speak to that and just it's it's beautiful overall and you know like patsy klein uh this is not the only song she did of course she has a lot of other great stuff if you haven't really checked out her work and are just familiar with this or sweet dreams take some time out of your day if you're doing the dishes put on a patsy klein greatest hits album all you need to do really just yeah for sure yeah listen to her music but it shows to the beauty of what a good cover song can do like i said you know music is really one of the only art forms where you can take an actual piece from somebody else and redo it but redo it in a personal way to you and and make it good so um i hope you all take the time out of your day to enjoy this uh playlist here did you have any final words for the folks at home well i do hope they check out the playlist because i listened to it and it was quite it was great and it was nice to hear the different versions of the songs so i do encourage people to do that and um i think this was a really fun exercise i think we should do something like this every once in a while indeed 
Yeah, just uh, we'll have a cover song series. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but I think that will wrap it up then. Um, the strike in Hollywood is still going on. Um, they have the SAG-AFTRA on their website have um, you know told the general public on things they can do to help support. Uh, the strike, you know, they still encourage you to go see movies and watch TV. They're mm-hmm. not looking for a boycott, but they're, you know, they are saying stuff like, if you know, if a studio reaches out to you, um, don't do the work that a person who is in a union would do because that makes you a scab, and that would pretty much guarantee that even if you did get that one shot, you're not getting another shot when a strike's done. Mm-hmm. You know, and also they do have a fund uh, that they are asking people to donate to, to that uh, financially supports uh, the actors and actresses that are really being hurt by this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ones that do that are the extras. You know, that have to take on the other work. I mean, because their work is just as important, if not more so, than that of the big stars. I mean, when you think of Hollywood, most people do make the mistake of only uh, you know, thinking that Hollywood is just for the ultra rich, but it's. Powered by the work of average people. Yeah. You know, so definitely take some time to, um, and also they did say too on social media, show support there. Mm-hmm. You know, because like the Hollywood, as we've seen over the years, will listen to um, campaigns like that. You know, they are affected by what social media says. And if a majority of the people on social media are saying, I stand with the actors and the writers, studios will, will uh, pay attention here. But um, I'll make sure to have the link to the sag after stuff uh, in the show description here because we support the workers. You know. Absolutely. And Workers Unite. Solidarity. Yeah. I mean, they're, like that song, you know, uh, that you sang, There Is Power in a Union. There mm-hmm. definitely is because the people that own these companies want the workers to think they don't have that power. You know, one of the things they do to try to cut that power away from you is to do the whole, you shouldn't tell people how much you make. Bullshit. Yeah. Never do that. They, it's one. It's not legal. There is no law stating you can't tell your fellow employees how you, how much you make. But two, the reason they're doing that is that they don't want you to know that you're potentially getting screwed because you could be working at a company for three years and then somebody new gets hired in that's doing your same job but gets paid more than you. Yep. And you know, it's not that I think that there shouldn't be compromise, and not that I am against people that own a business to make money off of that business, but not all the money. Like the John Cusack came out on social media and says that, you know, one of the when you remember the movie Say Anything, mm-hmm. you know, him holding the radio, mm-hmm. he had it in his contract that you know he would be getting royalties from that film. Mm-hmm. It's not received a dime. And the studio keeps on saying that the film that costs like less than 15 million to make has lost 44 million. Wow. Which, with it wasn't a big hit in theaters, but it definitely made up for it with cable and DVD and home video and all that stuff. So there is Hollywood math out there. Right. You know, um, you know, like Kevin Smith talked about some of the Hollywood math that the Weinsteins put him through, like mm. how um, the production to Clerks was charged for a party that was to support Goodwill Hunting, uh. which doesn't make sense, but that's what Hollywood does. They continually mask what things are truly making so that the people that are actually making it are screwed. Yeah, they have no way to negotiate. Yep, so support 
your fellow workers out there because even though it's Hollywood, even though they are actors, they are workers, and it you know the entertainment is the biggest export that America has. That's right. And you know if yeah if you don't want shitty TV, <laughs> support 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 the actors. So anything else? Not at all. All right. We thank you all for listening. Each Monday, we'll have something in this podcast space to entertain your ear holes. Until we meet again, we bid you adieu. And farewell. Bye-bye. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.